1: Welcome to What Would It Look Like, a podcast that inspires and empowers you to build transformative movements by living with one foot in the world we have not yet created. I'm your host, Ebony Isis Booth. I am a life alchemy coach, cultural strategist, and fly auntie. I believe and hold at the center of my work that healing is possible, magic is real, and love is the answer. It is from this place that I hold, coach, and guide cycle breakers through the inevitability of their own growth and transformation. I help people move from unworkable to unfuckwittable through a Black womanist lens that prioritizes healing, radical self-love, and liberation. I am joined by artist, producer, co-conspirator, creative accomplice, and friend, Jonas. Together, we are going to take a coach approach to the work of liberation through the lens that healing is possible, magic is real, and love is the answer. Welcome to today's episode, Jonas. What up? What up what up, what up, what up? Ah. so today's episode um we are uh we are broaching a topic that is very much um related to what is top of mind in much of the world right now, and when we started this endeavor, the unworkable challenge that we were seeking to find um strategies and solutions for while also preserving and developing our own mental health capacities was around a reparations package for Black Americans. Um, that's still the goal, as I understand it. But so much has happened since that first episode. Like The day that we started recording was October 7th. Um, we released the episode on October 19th to a little bit of a kerfuffle in the public sphere in addition <laughs> to um the global attention that has turned toward um toward the occupied palestine specifically the gaza strip um where israeli uh defense forces have enacted a retaliation um of seismic proportions um in response to uh, a attack that occurred on October 7th while we were recording our first episode. So all of this stuff has kicked up so much dust in the space. And, you know, I want to say before we even start this conversation, um, I want to invite everyone who's listening to just take a breath. There's been so much agitation and public outcry and demand, and trauma, and resentment, and attacks, and sensationalization—that um, it's really hard to breathe, no less keep track of, no less think to to come up with a strategy or response that feels appropriate, authentic, effective, um, or even true for that matter. So for folks who are listening. And may feel that they are sick of hearing conversations around um, the the state of the world globally. I feel you. To be honest with you, I didn't want to record this episode. <laughs> um, we recorded a whole other episode that I listened to and was like, we're not releasing this shit. like <laughs> Because there really was nothing else that felt more... Important than us to really sit and think and reflect on what we were doing. So I I offer this breath as just like a grounding and a clearing point to say that um, this episode does not offer solutions. We are not here to fix anything or anyone. Um, We are sharing ideas based off research, lived experience, thoughts and emotions from a really human place. I'm saying this is where we are and this is what we think. Um, also, selfishly, I feel like it's important to document where my thoughts are right now. And I know in another conversation, Jonas, you felt the same way. So um, I want to open today's episode instead of with a quote, with a poem to guide us into uh, this conversation about reparations um, and the intersection of the conversation of black reparations with our current conflict with our our uh, our disenfranchised um, relatives in the Gaza Strip. How's that sound? Yeah. Okay. So this poem is called "Everything Will Be Returned" by Malkia Amala Devich Cyril. Look at their mouths stuffed with cotton throats full of blood and insatiable need. History, their leaky faucet, their strain, their grief denied. It's capital that spreads this cracked Confederacy, barren and despite its dusty legacy, still alive, still stitched into everything we know. The smell of neo-fascism and slavery rises, a toxic smoke, a chemical fire. These are the sponsors of our breaking, a liturgical debt gaslit and lantern laud, fanatical in their hunger for everything that makes us holy. Oh, pirates, yes, they rob, I and we, an extravagance of pain, a riot that cannot wait, a call from a future that knows beyond the shadows, beyond the doubt, that down through the valley, through the centuries of ricocheted violence, we will live again. It's not too late. It is a call from a future that knows, reparations a reincarnated a reincarnated heat knocking a ghost hand at the door of a nation bred to die a call from a future reborn a future that knows broken bonds and promises pillaged require a stitch or nine through the skin repair running a red river through it it is a call from a hungry future a future that knows death is history's portal a future that listened The night of Sojourner Sojourner whispered in my dream, we will speak. And if you burn down the house that platforms our voice, we shall speak upon the ashes. Word will have its witness. Victory will have its world. It is a call from a future that knows everything, everything will be returned.
2: Yeah. Um...
0: There's a lot of stuff in there that made me think about, like liturgical debt. That was a very interesting choice of words and uh, very relevant. Also, um, what was something else that really leapt out at me? An extravagance of blood and pain.
2: I think that was Mm. mine.
0: You know, I mean, when you talk about the idea of reparations, I think... Initially, and this is why I felt like the direct connection is, I genuinely believe, fundamentally, Israel is a reparations package. It is a combination of the land back and also a combination of literal financial restitution. It is reparations for the damages of not only the Holocaust, but thousands of years of disenfranchisement. And sort of the Holocaust itself was indicative of how necessary it was for Jewish people to have a a place for themselves that was safe in the world, which is another deep Mm -hmm. impetus for reparations. And whether or not you can speak to the idea that the entire enterprise of that is evil, which fundamentally, I think... I agree with reparations packages. This one is dysfunctional to its core. And the truth of the matter Mm. is it's a dysfunctional reparations package because look it is what is necessary to maintain it. The entire world has to watch the literal slaughter of innocent civilians to continue this reparations package. The entire world is paying this reparations package. And the entire world is not responsible for what necessitated its creation to begin with. Now, when we talk about the idea of Jewish people needing a sacred, safe homeland, a sanctuary, there are many Jewish people, particularly currently, right now, in the moment, who do not consider this that. So, this is not that for them. This is not unanimously that. There is a distinct, schism, even within Judaism, about Zionism. Zionism has been referred to by more than one or two scholars, Israeli scholars, as the Jewish liberation movement. And I also take Hmm. umbrage with that because the idea that your liberation movement is premised on the subjugation of somebody else makes it inherently not a liberation movement. It is a subjugation movement. I don't believe any liberation movement can operate on the idea of we are going to take this in blood from innocent people, people who are not responsible for the initial cause of whatever the suffering is. Or the catalyst for taking this seriously, like 1948 and the establishment of Israel was not the beginning of the Zionist movement. The Zionist movement planned and necessitated its need from political necessity there's nowhere safe for us. This is the same thing Black people are going through. But the way this is being executed and the nature of, and in fact, starting your land on what it amounts to occupied territory, there's a lot of debate about, and which I don't really think is relevant. It was an established nation. It was British Palestine. There were people living there there was a civilization. Yeah. This is the same colonization of the United States, of the North, of North America. Were these nations that that were slaughtered? No, not in the sense of whatever Geneva Convention International Law people predicate to say you living here is legitimate. There were people living there, right. they were usurped from their
1: land. And it was a but there of colonization. There were nations of people. I, I think it's important to, to, to clarify They're, they were absolutely nations. I mean, not a whole nation okay, is yeah. still a nation. They I'm were, just saying, not under they European were Nations of people. Not, not under European them. definitions, sure. Which was the
0: incentive to be mm. like, this is okay. why it's okay. This is why it's okay. Manifest destiny. This yeah. is the same thing. You know what I mean? And so there's I've also been dispute. What I think is, is truly heinous is the notion that. We cannot call this what it is—a settler colonialist state. Now, people would dispute. Oh, this is not because we
1: cannot call it a. T- that's so the you one, don't want argument. to call it a settler colonialist. No, state. I agree it is. An I'm argument? saying it is. Oh. Oh,
0: but okay. there are people who are saying oh, okay. we cannot call it that, and their argument is a, which is let's just establish it. The definition of it being a colonial state is a, you are the mechanized arm of something else. A bigger nation state, a biggest a bigger thing, a metropole is the term. Second off is that you control the region. And I remember the third one is that you supplant the population with a different population. So the new settlers, mm-hmm. whoever comes in, they control it. These that's what's in the mm-hmm. Now the argument would be, oh well Israel's is its own entity. It's not the mechanized arm of it's not a vassal state, which is a laughable assertion, because there's no way this could ever go down without the the support of a much larger empire who is equally incentivized whether or not the united states is runs israel or israel runs the united states which seems to be the state of the debate no one is saying there isn't some sort of running going on they <laughs> share and have mutual interests in this place so the incentive for the united states much like our own president Joe Biden said on the congressional floor, is we must take care of American interests in the region. If there wasn't an Israel, we would have to create an Israel. Verbatim. You know? So that's proof positive. It's a colonialist state. Settlers. The whole thing is about settlements and settlers. So the dispute mm-hmm. that somehow these aren't settler colonialists is again. Because this is, what, done with religious fervor? It's done because of preconditioned homeland status. This is colonialism. The religious aspect of colonialism is, without a doubt, its driving force. And thirdly, they not only settled on it, they took it over. And the indigenous population, because here's one of the things I really think is, I take big umbrage with the idea that you can say we are the indigenous population of that place though we haven't lived there for the past four thousand years I would wreck i would go so I would venture to argue the only way to truly lose one's indigenous status is to be gone for four thousand years five thousand years like when you talk about indigenous populations, indigenous populations don't emigrate they are. Colonized, like they exist, Aborigines, Native Americans, any place you go, they're still there. The indigenous population doesn't ever well, actually leave.
1: Well, some might argue that it's not, I mean, if if it's not settler colonialism, it's imperialism. It's and if it's imperialism, imperialism, then who's right, but whose whose country is extending their, its power using military force. Is well, it I... the United States? Yes. Because Israel is a nation state and not a country. Or, See, I mean, I like, it, it feels like we get into this game of semantics. We get into this game of semantics where it's kind of like, you know, I think it's really important to look at the context and break down the details and defining terms where if you refer to someone as a Zionist, they call you anti-semitic if it but zionism is in fact its own entity that has been established codified and has existed as like the, the 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 creating unit and doctrine that was the idea or concept of israel existing in the first place it's it's zionism when um when a zionist says it But when I use the term to articulate or even comprehend what is happening, I become anti-Semitic. That's is that because that's a trick. Yeah, I mean, but but all of these are tricks, right? All of the ways (laughs) that it's discussed when we're kind of like, oh, the West Bank and Gaza as like these um, ephemeral entities of like, what does that actually mean? But when you you actually look, right? So it's like language um i mean propaganda <laughs> which is another buzzword that actually means things right that yeah. means something but it's used to infiltrate culture and language to create an understanding that is other than what the the, the actual definition is um it it subjugates right like or the existence of of human beings and people um who are relatives and family members and all of that based off a difference of um what god is worshiped i mean it really does break down to these like that's as the justification right is it that's really about that or is it, it actually no, about definitely power? not
0: definitely not it's 100% right. about power it def- it gets tr- like god is the justification for the stealing of power God is invariably God was always the justification,
1: justification for God yeah, was the justification for for the enslavement for the enslavement of Africans it was the just God was the justification for um you know the genocide of indigenous people throughout the North America and South Americas like you know it's it's a justification and I'm like but which God is that I heard is something it the very same interesting. yes
0: I think it is I think one of the things where we use this terminology of God is it's like the value system What is the value system? And these Abrahamic religions invariably do share the same value system. And the truth of the matter is these three Abrahamic religions all have used that value system to prey upon African people, to prey upon Black people. So this value system that is shared is is, is literally the same book with different interpretations. And it's literally the same values in how they approach the interaction with black people. And when you talk about Christianity, the emergence of Christianity in, in Ethiopia or legitimate Judaism and, you know, and all these other things, there's two tracks. We always talk about the indigenous nature of these religions. But when we talk about their political tantamount power effect, it's in the scope of colonialism. And the truth of the matter is, when you see these nations or the, the, the entity of colonialism in the Western world, is like a right. A passage. when I, I remember reading about Mussolini and Mussolini wanted to become a colonialist simply because everyone else was a colonialist. It's an indicative of an empire. It's indicative of power. So this notion, sometimes you have to consider like in the Zionist original operation, after the Holocaust, they were offered different plots of land. They were offered land in Uganda. They were offered land. They said, no, we want this land for this reason. And I which, was,
1: which was, which what was the reason? What Do you know what the stated reason for the, the stated selection of reason Palestine? Is, because there was also, is... there was Texas. Right. Well, for people who might not know, like Texas was on the list. There were conversations about regions in upstate New York, um, Uganda. Russia. Um, Russia offered. Russia. There were many different locations of where um, Ashkenazi Jews could go to have a land or a place of their own to live unfettered by the years of subjugation and oppression that they had experienced because of ethnic, um, their ethnic identities, right? Ethnic identities, and religious practices, I suppose. I mean- And religious practice, sure, okay, right? So the selection of Palestine as a location, what what do you know the about justification the justification behind that? Was yeah,
0: this was our ancestral homeland four thousand years ago. This was the place that what we were originally
1: think... expelled from. Do you have a a conjecture? Would you like to posit a a reason? I, I mean, I'm not that, even like... disputing that.
0: Oh, my mm. actual opinion of why is I. If do you think it's important, I do believe it's political. Zionism is a political act. It is not a religious act, so that is strategic right. positioning. That is the nexus of the universe. It's the re- it's literally the middle of the Middle East. That is the source of all, or if not the majority of the world's oil. This is a, a necessary place to be. Now, I do mm-hmm. genuinely believe that there's economic and political reasons, and I think the smokescreen of theocracy. I don't buy it from anybody, so you can't call me an anti-Semite. I don't buy theocratic political decisions from any group, Christians, Islamic people, or anti-Semites. This is always about one singular thing, the usurping of resources. Colonization is about the usurping of resources, period. (laughs) It has nothing to do with mythology of theocracy. I refuse Mm -hmm. to buy into this. So then when we talk about this notion here that this country somehow by divine right has the right to execute an ethno-theocracy, this is a conflation of mythology with politics, but the necessity is the politics. It is a political act. Zionism, and here's the thing, Zionism is something you are doing. To twist it around and wrap it around with anti-Semitism is to say, no, it's what we are. And that is... Very anti-Semitic because there are many people who are devout Jews who say, no, that is not who we are. So when you talk about Blackness in relation to the reparations package, if a reparation package I presented somehow was like, okay, ultimately the, the masses of Black people, I genuinely believe need two things, reparations, the cash restoration, reparations in this country for what occurred, and decolonization. These are the fundamental necessities. In order for Mm -hmm. Black liberation, whether, you know, by hook or by crook, right? If either one of these necessitate colonizing something, if either one of these necessitate genociding a place, if either one, they are flawed packages and they cannot be reflective of Black people or somehow liberation for Black people because some, if not all, or many Black people would be like, no, I find this to be... Damaging to Black people. Now, certainly, there are people who be like, who might argue with the way reparations packages need to be delivered, but short of the Black people who I genuinely 100% believe do not represent the masses of Black people, but represent those who are desperately attempting to infiltrate into an establishment that will never actually love or care for them. Type of Black people who might say reparations are harmful, decolonization is harmful. Frankly, they're they're outliers and. I don't believe that the package fundamentally would harm them. Hmm. Now, legitimate harm is violence. I don't need to enact violence for a reparations package. I really genuinely... And so that's when you talk about things like militarization. Do you have to go to war for reparations? What if a reparations in America cause a war? It's a legitimate question.
1: Well, so here's the thing, but I, I think we kind of got ahead of ourselves because I want to well, back up. I think we okay. skipped the impact. I think we skipped the, the, the difference between reparations for Zionist Israel to Mm -hmm. exist or to to be a package that was created. That was, um, you know, Germany made the initial investment in in, in paying reparations, not the United States. There was a tactical approach and strategic element of what the benefit for the United States was going to be by making Israel its ally in the endeavor in the Middle East. Yes. So the thing that, that is not true, where that is different for Black people, especially Black people in America, but also thinking about the global extraction around um, the usurpation of resources from the continent of Africa, in addition to including inclusive of Black bodies that were stolen and enslaved from Africa, that is all a part of anti-Blackness. It all comes back to anti-blackness and when we talk about when we say anti-blackness is not the shark it is the water (laughs) yeah it is it is the water it is and and um frank wilderson calls it this unconscious unconscious reality that black is other and non-human right so to get to a point from that being the unconscious reality in the minds, in, in the global construct of imperialism, that's the place that Blackness holds. To go from there to being like, yeah, we should probably like run Black people their money for all the labor that we extracted to build these empires off their backs and the resources of their land. Yeah, yeah. we should do that. Yeah. The, 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 it's unfathomable as a concept. So with people who have been moving forward with reparations conversations in the United States, the ones who have been more radical in their thinking and movement, the ones who have tried to infiltrate government policies to create and write legislation, like, you know, that's to even have a conversation about studying the feasibility of what reparations could look like. There are yeah. some people who jump straight from there and go to, do we have to go to war to get reparations? And it's like, no. Israel didn't have to go to war to get reparations. It chose that outcome. You know what I mean? Like that that also wasn't a requirement. There there was never an intention for a two-state solution. That's why it didn't start. So that's why we're so far gone and beyond that as being an opportunity for like what could happen now because that was never the intention at the outset. So I think it's important to come back to like how do we resolve or envision a world without anti-Blackness? What does that look like? You know what I mean? Because moving, because I don't think that we get reparations while anti-blackness is the is the water. I don't know if that's even a necessity because it's like, okay, I hate
0: to draw a comparison and be like, well, they got their reparations because this is not what I'm saying, but I don't think the complete negation of the antagonizing force. Is necessary, it just it's the mitigation of it. It just it's got to be limited to where it's like, and I think that. And I think one thing when you talk about like anti Semitism and the legitimacy of concerns about anti Semitism is I believe that Jewish people throughout this 4,000 year experience have gone through similar dehumanization ideologies in places. Um, because 4,000 years is a long time, as it's much longer than mm-hmm. you know, so. I believe that oh, yeah. the reason that we have particular terms for these two pockets is because there is that contingency. So, in that respect, I believe one of the ways that, and and this would speak to the solution. It, one of the ways is that it's Judaism and 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 particularly the cultures is is somewhat insular in the respect of a community. It's it, the ethnic element is reinforced through the sociology they, they they there's a lot of unspoken code about solidarity and about moving in unison a cultural element of, of banding together that is, is is frankly it's it's impressive in a sense of like I don't know if the uniting element culturally that that brings together the disparate fundamental ethnicities of Judaism, under the banner of Judaism, which is to say there are Jewish people all over the world. There's a Jewish diaspora, just like there's an African diaspora. And the the, the tenets right. of Judaism, whether it be because of the theocratic aspects or the shared value or whatever, it, it proves to be the superlative umbrella and network and thing that people identify with. And it it shares a similar nebulousness with blackness. And I think in this respect, sure. I see yeah so i'm just saying there's solidarity i genuinely believe that the difference is is when we talk about a code when we talk about what it is it's the understanding like we are responsible like fundamentally the insulation of our economies the insulation of our movements a code like we are a xenophilic culture and i don't i don't regret that but i think I wish and desire for a culture that is not xenophobic but not xenophilic either either. Maybe xeno-neutral.
1: Okay, so I I really think that the work of the project of anti-semitism is the work of
2: um,
1: Eurocentric whiteness, right? Yeah. It's mm-hmm. uh it's the the the, the product of the WASP, right? Like um, the the, the WASP identity of, yeah, of uh, of, of whiteness. And I think that it's interesting because there is absolutely a longstanding solidarity between Black and Jewish people um, throughout history. There was also this point in time in the United States where the narrative shifted in order to bolster this new allyship with Israel that allowed Jews to be white. It Mm -hmm. went from signs on doors during segregation in the Jim Crow era that were like no dogs, no blacks, no Jews, to then Jewish people being able to be perceived as white and being accepted into dominant cultural society. The same thing happened with Irish folks and Italians. So the ethnicity morphed into race because of the social construct of race in this country. So we all got sold this bill of goods, but also white people, People who perceive them believe themselves to be white and not a a part of an ethnicity or ethnic identity or European Americans, if you will, like they really forgot that that ever happened. It's like when I hear non Jewish white folks launching attacks or making claims of anti Semitism toward especially black people, I get real confused because I'd be like, now, wait a minute, because I, I, I personally, my personal lived experience, I don't know anti Semitic Black people. Is Mm -hmm. that to say that they don't exist? No, that is not to say that they do not exist. I think that there are Black Muslims that have some really interesting and compelling analysis about their experiences as it relates to being Islam, you know, a Muslim and whatever. I can't speak for them. I also can't speak for the experience of the anti-Semitism that Jewish people have faced despite their phenotype as showing up as white in spaces. So this is not to negate that at all, but it's to say that there is a band of solidarity that exists that we ignore because it is easier for people unconsciously and consciously to jump from onto the anti-Black train. like. You said something I don't agree with. You're calling me racist. That's anti-Semitic. You're not saying something that is pro this. It's anti that. So I'm going to discredit and disregard your argument or or experience because it is invalidated by my perception of you and your Blackness. In 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 a struggle for, in an articulation of a desire and need for liberation for Black folks, we constantly are conflated. Our arguments constantly get conflated by our allies. Supposed allies, assumed allies, proclaimed allies, who say that they care about the Black liberation struggle, but what do you mean? What are you going to say about land black? Land back. Um, we care about the struggle, but I experience, you know, uh, anti-Asian. Rec- well, you care, but I'm also a lesbian. I'm a white woman, but I'm also bisexual. So my intersectionality is in is in us too, right? So it's us kind too. of like there's no air. Yeah, there's no air to actually focus on the issue that is most directly impacting black bodies globally because the air gets sucked out of the room and we don't get space to 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 dedicate that focus and I think that it's because the the invisible not so invisible powers that be understand that with focus and attention, there is movement and there is power in narrative. There's such power in narrative that now white American Protestants will call you anti Semitic for saying that Zionism is a failed reparations package that has when gotten out of control and now is resulting in when they started anti Semitism in the first place. And right. now you get accused of using the same language that was implanted onto us throughout our entire public education system based off the fact that Hitler was a bad guy. And he was. However, and so are all of these other individuals who have had very, who who have been embedded and enmeshed in the development of our policies and politics throughout the Supreme Court, through presidencies, through presidential cabinets and elections on local levels, state levels, in police, like... It's everywhere. it's well. The water. I mean, I think what so you're saying is like all these other
0: people kind of have, frankly, gripes against that same entity as as we have against that same entity, which is that that that, that intertwining of patriarchy and white supremacy, and frankly also the theocracy of the, of the certain of the white Protestant Christian male that went about, you know, and, and also the Catholic male, you know, the white Christian male who went about the world just slaughtering shit. I think, but we Mm -hmm. also have a legitimate concern with all these other populations that they do not have with us. There is virtually no circumstance where Black people have enacted any form of suppression or oppression or racism against these pockets of populations. Inversely, every one of them have their own inherent anti-Blackness, which is to say, not only does Blackness not have an anti-Semitism problem, but Judaism just like Islam, just like Christianity, just like every other subset of people has an anti-blackness problem. So the necessity for reparations for black people is so much more concentrated in terms of like, one of the things we're saying here is this Israeli, the Israel as a reparations package, the world is paying it. But the world Mm -hmm. did not inflict this upon the, the Jewish people or anybody. Um, You know, I would say there's parts of the world that have been responsible for what happened, but the entire world is not. Adversely, the reparations package for black people, the entire world engaged in the same exploited practices, which is to say, even when you Absolutely. talk about the war between Palestine or the war between Israel and I'm not even going to say versus like, frankly, the, the colonization, the Israel reparations package they have an extractive, very colonial reparation with Africa as well. There's no pocket, there, yeah. in fact, you could talk about, I think Russia may have less than than, than most, but like China, United States, everybody's extracting Africa. Everybody's extracting Yeah. Africa.
1: Well, you know what was interesting? I watched this documentary um, Roadmap to Apartheid um, that is on Amazon Prime. Um, to rent for like $2.99, you can buy it for $4.99. It's narrated by Alice Walker, but it basically um gives parallel examples between the um the South African apart struggle for liberation post-apart in a post-apartheid South Africa. Or, well, actually the the way that apartheid shaped itself um, oh, to yes. create apartheid state in South Africa and the influence that Israel had in in breaking four weapons embargoes in order to continue to resource the africanists in south africa with weapons and training in order for them to hold nuclear
0: bomb a whole nuclear bomb i think that was one of them i don't know but
1: i mean there were four yeah so so the, the 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 action of of Israel to assert itself or establish itself as a world superpower is also not new. And it's interesting how quickly that happened. If we're talking about this being over the course of 75 years. Um, so where it's, it's hard to say it in the same breath, but if we're like, okay, in this bizarro world where, Israel is carrying out murderous campaigns and genocide and calling it war when there's only one army. Right. <laughs> there's there's not only war one army. there's one right. army. There's only one army. There's one army. <laughs> I just, there's one army. I'm just, I'm right. not making any claims or whatever. <laughs> no, I'm just saying yes. like, real talk though, there's one army, okay? Right. So it's not war, however. Um, and also historically, this has always been intentional Israel is on brand and on message with the pace at which they are carrying out this endeavor. They never switched their gear and said, oops, shocking, we're going to do something else now. This is not a new approach. This is an acceleration, an expansion of an effort that started well before 1947, right? When the initial plans of Zionism were, this is like 19, World War One, 1919 era plans of establishment to get us to this point or to get the world to take notice mm-hmm. of the, the power that was being amassed there. So it's, it's not new. And I think that yelling at people on social media <laughs> to say something feels trite when you think about the context and history of this, but anyway, so roadmap to, to apartheid um, really juxtaposes the, it, the, the reality of South Africans and the reality of um of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza and how the West Bank was being um, cannibalized, like encroached on, just consumed by um, by the, the green line by settler colonialism, who create settlements who are named that are named settlements um, that are literally guarded by civilians who essentially work in tandem with the The military force to antagonize c- Palestinian civilians, like around, like out. You walk out your house. You can't like turn right to go down one street. You have to turn left and walk through the gutter. You can't walk on the sidewalk. You can't cross the street without papers. The same way that papers were required to pass through certain areas. It's like it's literally the same model. And it's what the thing that was most unsettling about watching the documentary is that it was 11 years ago that the documentary was released. And 11 years ago, it was about as unimaginable as one could, could, could fathom. And then to go from there, I mean, my goodness. And so then to now be in present day and to see the, the accelerated, um,
0: I, think, I don't know. I it was world, it was all very
1: overwhelming. Uh, the whole
0: world is like, like one of the things I want to speak to is like, I really do think that it is the world is colonized. And I think this is triggering the emotions of the colonized world in a real way. Yeah. When it's like the, when you see like these dimensions of like 89, 90% of free Palestine on the web and, 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 you know, a percent, one, two, three, four, five percent for free or pro Israel, or is, we stand with Israel, we stand with like that is legitimately the people because there is not a mechanized propaganda arm for that in Palestine. Like people say, like they try to, I'm, I'm, to me, there's a hard time rectifying the idea that Hamas is simultaneously under complete siege and also really powerful. And one of the things about it is like, For instance, there's a story about one of the main guys in Hamas is like a billionaire. He's like worth $5 billion while people in Hamas suffer. And do I believe that there's war profiteers on both sides? I certainly do. But the idea somehow that the propaganda machine for Hamas is in any way comparable to the propaganda machine for Israel is just flatly – it's like objectively not true in any way, shape, or form. So when you see the people in solidarity running – I mean – and yesterday there was – like all over the world hundreds of thousands of people going on protest like you know there've been references by conservatives by right wings because this is really becoming a division between the right and the left over the israeli subject and they're saying this is the new blm mm. and i and there is that connection of it being the new blm in mm. the respects, this is this is the same fundamental issue which one is the thing-
1: that same I mean, like, thing. won't they just, like, why are you, why, you will find a, find a way to blame Black people. I mean, my God, how is it that at the same time, like, is it Uchiwali or is it One Mike? Are we, are, are we anti-Semitic? Are we, are we terrorist organizations? Or are we, you know, civilians protesting against the, like, you know, eradication of our basic human rights? What? Like, I mean, I think there's a God. connection.
0: The, con- the connection I do believe is that, again, I feel like this is the- these are embattled outcries of colonized people over and over again. BLM is as much an embattled outcry of colonized people as free Palestine is. And the contingency of the world that colonizes people, that takes over other people's lands, that enslaves, these- this is the same nexus of evil that is engaged in Zionism, that supports Zionism. It is the root. And this is unquestionable. You start wrapping in these theocratic elements and those smoke screens for the political act. You cannot tell me in any way, shape or form that there's fundamental differences between occupations in Manifest Destiny and this occupation in Palestine. The, The nature of colonialism is being enacted in this particular place, just like it was all over the world. And the reason... The same reason that the world connected with BLM is the same reason that the world is connecting with the free Palestine. And that it's like, most people do not actually benefit, want to engage in or maintain these hierarchies of frankly, disproportionate resources to a debilitating degree. Most people, the people Mm -hmm. of themselves do not want this. And so every now and again, there becomes this centralized issue. And I feel like this thing is so inflamed Because, you know, we talk about like, oh, the Congo, there's other situations that are equally, but they're interrelated. But fundamentally, I think in this particular situation, what's happening with Israel is inflaming the whole entire world, not because there aren't black people involved. But I do think that there is something uniquely horrifying occurring here. And I think that what's occurring in the Congo, what's occurring throughout Africa is not unique. It's regular. Mm -mm. It's commonplace. So something unique is happening here in terms, and it's, and it's also so visual and so visible. Like it is like, for instance, I'll give you an example with what occurred in the Russian Ukraine. My standing is I, I genuinely, I'm not emotionally invested. I just know that Ukrainians have Nazis and I don't ever remember the Russian Federation being pronounced profoundly. I don't remember Russians being colonizers, uh, particularly in Africa. (laughs) I mean, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I, so I didn't have a dog in the fight. I didn't care. I care here. I have a dog in a fight, even though I am not in, I, it, I, I'm just, just like I'm saying from calculable effect, how inflamed I am. I must have a dog in this fight. It is triggering the same decolonization instincts, outcries inside of my body, that it is triggering inside of so many people And I think even the people who may somehow have been people who benefited from colonization, like, for instance, you know, abolitionists, white abolitionists, uh, Jewish people who are not in favor of Zionism. It's triggering something even deeper in their humanity about the idea of like, no, not in my name. Which is Mm. so there's this real profound thing of like, yo, this is wrong. And I'm telling you, yeah, definitely. We know. The world knows this this shit is wrong. I don't care. You can't give it's me wrong. any justifications.
1: No. There are, are no none. justifications. It's it's wrong and I think the thing that hurts or that might be irreconcilable emotionally for some and to some extent to me, like it is it is painful is that they don't care. They know that it's wrong,
2: right? Right.
1: The endeavor is—it's—it's not—it's—it's. It's, this is where we. This is where we cry out for. Where is the humanity, right? Like, there. The—the the thing that is most devastating is that it is intentional. It's calculated. It is to establish authority. It is to 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 usurp power. It is to control. It is to capitalize upon. And capitalism needs. A source of extraction but once they've already like you know co-opted all of the, pr- the production and export and bounty that is available on this land then what what need do you have of the people of the land any further I think right? the right wing philosophy than...
0: I think the right wing philosophy is that the conservatism is the idea of like well those things must be they're, they're part of life like that's the way the world has to be that's the root idea of conservatism is that you could not imagine not doing those things. So when you say they don't think of it as wrong, they think of it as a necessity. You got to colonize
1: somebody. <laughs> that's really how they feel. You got to do that. They, they create false scarcity. What is capitalism? What is capitalism without? Right. Because that's the economy. What is capitalism that's, without so what? What did you say? What, it cut out. What is what capitalism is cap- without what? Without what is, what is, what is capitalism without competition?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: You need to establish scarcity in the market so that you can create consumers, Right. right? So that you can hike up the prices, raise inflation, all of that. So there's like all of these countries that participate in capitalism, even those who do not, who are to some degree negotiating their competition in capitalism. So if you have like a Cuba who is like, Never mind, you also see a place that is kind of like stuck in the land that time forgot, you know what I mean? Because it is not a part of this like build more, <laughs> better, bigger, faster, consume more, the eat more, leader. make it faster, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so all of our we've been it's been communicated to us down through history, especially in the United States, our propaganda machine that turns out like you need to be anti communist, anti Russia anti-China, um, anti-Cuba, pro-nationalism, make America great again, keep America great now, you know, fuck Joe Biden and Obamacare. Like, you know, it's, these are the these are the things that get regurgitated out of the war machine and they get, do so in these really tiny, you know, sound bites that get pummeled with your average American citizen sitting in their living room watching it on a 24-hour news cycle. And it's just like repeated, it's like... A clockwork orange. You know what I mean to like sit and be a boomer. I'm dead serious to sit no, no, and be. No. I live in a house with two boomers. To be a boomer and to sit in front of your television is a really dangerous place to be because you're either being barked at about sports or news. That's it. Like those are the two machines, and all everything that gets funneled through that is really about um, the the operationalization of the black body and the murder of the black body and terrorism, bad and white people, good. And, you know, the maintenance, total it's, it's, it's inherently
0: maintenance. It's inherently like media is inherently Absolutely. maintenance, you know? And I think when you have, it's, well, I think here. media
1: is inherently violent. I think, me, let me say this. I think media is inherently violent. And I think that the violence of media is to prepare us, to train us, to be desensitized to the gross violence of, war, genocide, occupation, and capitalism. And that way, if they keep you afraid enough, then eventually you will become numb to it. You will be frozen. And then you will seek your masters to give you a solution to this fear. Here, buy this. Neck pain, here. Here's this pill that you can chew. This is what some doctors said that will make you feel better. And then you buy it. And that's how we keep the system moving. Like we are not, we're not making things in this country we're not creating we're not our export industry is completely tanked like what all and when you think about there's some there's auto workers union on united auto workers is on strike up the street they've been out there every day with their signs for a month and a half outside of the volvo plant like who's buying volvos who can afford to buy a volvo these are the people who are making them how much money were they like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like a, uh, I don't know. I, I'm saying that there it's uh, the jig is up. No, like the, yeah. the, the fix, the fix is in in a way where I think media contributes to the violence that we see that we see and it's training us and preparing us to be desensitized because no matter how broken your heart is on Instagram, they're not going to. So what if they okay. So what would it look like? right? What would it look like if we did get Joe Biden to call for a ceasefire instead of a, a pause? Um, what did he say? A humanitarian pause. You know what? I, is it's what it's interesting
0: because it's, uh, you know what? I cannot foresee endgame. One of the things I think about is like right. all that stuff what that, that you mentioned game? about the desensitization and stuff. I feel like there's something deeply human, humanist occurring here where that, that apparatus malfunctioned. It did not work. The apparatus Absolutely. That, that, yeah. And I think it's the same thing that occurred with BLM, the apparatus malfunction, in that when you draw these comparisons with these liberation movements, when you draw, the, it's like everybody needs to be, like it really does make clear the intersectionality, right? So it's like, I don't necessarily know if people are going to be satisfied with the existence of an Israel. I think that even if Joe Biden calls for a ceasefire, I think there's been a tide turn to where it's like the legitimacy of this nation has been called into question. And and the majority of this world, I believe, especially the people in the know, like maybe not in America, but throughout the rest of the world, I don't necessarily, I think states recognize it, but I don't necessarily know if the people appreciate or agree with the idea of, so when you see this term free Palestine, the implication here is that there needs to be a Palestine. And like you said previously, I don't believe Israel ever in good conscience intended for there to be a two-state solution. No. The nature was, of the 1948, didn't. I I don't, I don't, I don't. I they know didn't. that there was offers. I know, I don't, period. I think this is, they, again, manifest, it is, destiny. It manifest is destiny.
1: It is a yes. published fact. It is not conjecture. It's not an opinion. It is a published fact that that was never, that was not the intention. It was and even just now,
0: that's what they're talking about now. Like, when you think about it, like, what are they doing? What is the goal here? The Getting Gaza and getting West Bank is the completion of Israel. It is really the yeah. totality, the completion of Israel, and Absolutely. there's also again economic incentives. There's there's natural resources there that need to be extracted that they can't comfortably extract. This is again not conjecture. So Mm-mm. I do believe that Joe Biden calling for a ceasefire is about as ineffective because fundamentally I think the, the, the question that has been raised is the legitimacy of this nation. That is truly what I believe the world is having a debate about. And that is when you get into this conversation about anti-Semitism and the notion of why don't Jewish people get a place for themselves considering the ways we've been persecuted. And the reality is, though you have been persecuted throughout the world, there are Jewish people living safely throughout the world. And the necessity for a theocratic ethnostate does not exist. That's how I feel. And so that's my opinion. But I think that that's the collective opinion. I speak for and of the people. And again, I don't even have a dog in the fight, right? Legitimately, I don't have a dog in the fight other than this nexus of evil is the same spreading interlocking network that extracts and usurps the resources of my people. From America, from the afterlife. yeah, I
1: mean to be to be to be to be black in this mm-hmm. country, to be mm-hmm. a, a part of the the African diaspora, be a descendant of enslaved, uh, to be to be black, to be mm-hmm. a Pan African.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There is a requirement. Um, June Jordan said that it is the the greatest litmus test of our time to understand someone's position on Palestine right like to really understand that like <laughs> without a dog in the fight but just to like extend your human your humanity to this scenario and watch it be a mirror to the reality like if we if we have conversations about the legitimacy of Israel we are also having to have a conversation about the legitimacy of the United States yes we have to i mean like it's 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 a it's a conversation that must be had. And then that's where we get into the, the scary airspace of these are the things that we have been conditioned to not say, or the comments that make us radical or revolutionary, because it's kind of like, yeah, well, what are the mirrors here? Of course, it makes sense to me that the United States and Israel are, Israel is our greatest ally. And that is, you know what I mean? And also that like, Benjamin Netanyahu wasn't really who they bargained for. And when they were able to parade Yasser Arafat out in, you know, his kafia and be like, okay, so we have Palestinian representation. You know what I mean? It's not all sorted out as tense, but we're okay. Like once that fell apart, like it's, I mean, it's the same thing that we see coming down the pike with, you know, MAGA and, and, and you're and homeboy in the toupee. Like it starts to move toward like, so what is it? It's revolutionary and radical when a black when it comes out of a black person's mouth, what is it? It's patriotism when it comes out of a white man's mouth. And or Zionism when it comes out of a Zionist mouth. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I feel like I mean, we're all kind of saying. saying the
0: elements of these things as functional world policies. I think that like you know, like it used to be the divine right of kings. It used to be mercantilism, like like things go away. And I think a lot of times it's because the people demand it. And 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 here's the truth of the matter. Like I said, when people talk about globalism and a new world order and imperialism, it means like disproportionate amounts of power and force to execute certain agendas for smaller populations. But I, I, I don't believe that the people are powerless. I don't. I don't. So I think oh, what you see right like now You know, it's like this is the people are triggered by this because it is the manifestation of crass capitalism, of white supremacy, of patriarchy, you know, and I, I do genuinely believe that, like, all most people are seeing is white people taking stuff from brown people. Mm hmm. And you can—it yeah. you know, gets more nuanced than that. But like, what is more nuanced than that is Ethiopian Jews being sterilized. What's more nuanced than that? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I know it is the same shit, and I mm-hmm. see this. We see this all the fucking time, and, and and I think we're tired. The world is tired of this shit. The world is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's literally like the manifestation of fucking Derek Chauvin's knee on George Floyd's neck. Is—is is looking mm-hmm. at Israel, what Israel is doing to Gaza. Mm-hmm.
2: The world cannot mm-hmm.
0: take it. And, and then they, yeah. and then there are all these justifications and all these big grandiose statements about why this is acceptable. And it's just not working. There's not a propaganda, a media apparatus enough to convince the world that this is okay. Yeah. It's, it's too brutal. It's too much for us. You know? So and, and it's like, I they're, they're saying no ceasefire. No ceasefire. Yeah. We're, we're going to keep
1: going. We're not done. So I want to share this quote by Winona Leduc that kind of summarizes where we are in this conversation um, before we kind of start to move to this other, this other piece that's kind of got some activation in my, in my brain space that I want to share. Yeah. This um, uh, Winona Leduc quote, Euro-Americans in the United States can't talk about Gaza because we can't talk about Israel. Because we can't talk about the fact that the world is not suffering from an Israeli Palestinian conflict, but that the world is suffering from the fact that Europe has never been able to deal with its Jewish question without some sort of intense barbarity and horror from the Inquisition to the Holocaust. And that Europe, in particular, Great Britain, the masters of divide and conquer, solved, quote unquote, the problem by supporting the radical terrorist extremist Zionists and their mad plan to resettle. The homeland. We can't talk about Israel because we can't talk about Wounded Knee, because we can't talk about Sand Creek or Carlisle Boarding School, because we can't talk about forced sterilizations or smallpox blankets or Kit Carson and his scorched earth policy in the Southwest, because we have Andrew Jackson on our $20 bill, because we Mm -hmm. are one huge settlement on stolen land. We can't talk about Israel because we are Israel. So, I want to
2: I want to offer
1: what if as we we witness this decline right we see it take shape and watch it happen we realize that it's unsustainable this is an untenable c- c- circumstance where we're now seeing this capitulation where the the the, the, the public is kind of like no we see through the smoke screens we don't want it and you can't kill us all as we are on this trajectory to that decline, and also given the fact that like you know our egos make us real like we feel pretty invincible in our um, in our politics about what is right and justice and 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 don't really take into consideration the generations of folks before and after us that we are like tending this earth for, I think that there's a big gap in our ability to be aware of our true purpose and role on this planet and we get caught up in the in the the consumerism of like the imperialist policies that keep us distracted so we keep running on the the wheel and keep the machine going but if we are nearing the end of late stage capitalism what if the solution i would i actually would just like to posit that i believe that the solution that the thing that will save the world is reparations for Black people. <laughs> I really do believe that nobody gets free until the most marginalized among us are free. And when we are, everybody gets free. I really, really believe that, like deep down in my spirit. And I feel like the, 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 the psychic shock that it will take to the system of imperialism to fall apart, and then you know, get some Wellbutrin and get itself back together again. Not is... the
0: Wellbutrin. <laughs>
1: you
0: know, it's on the Wellbutrin I... now. It's on the Wellbutrin <laughs> now. Get it off because, the Wellbutrin.
1: Because I think I need to. I, I think what I'm what I'm getting at here is that um, there is something in the American ego or the Euro imperialist psyche that is really incapable of it's like this this ego death that needs to take place or this um witnessing of the ego in order to witness the humanity or the dehumanity that is being enacted on the on the globe like I really think that there needs to be like a swing the the swinging back in the opposite direction that would that's the only thing that could rectify this like I really believe that you know repairing black folks. Um, and making that investment, making that offering on like an ancestral level, on like a clear, like that's the answer to all yeah, the things. no, I do. I it's, agree it's, too. The answer is reparations. The answer is land back. The The answer is not ceasefire, but it's to like, to repair. It's to, it's to give the land back to the Palestinians and take down the walls and gates and fences and allow them back into their homeland. Like, where are they supposed to go? You just get to kill them because you want to live back at your homeland from 4,000 years later? What about the people that are there? And then you get to use the justification that their God is is called by a different name and their their their, their rituals and practices are written in a different book as the justification for that. Or get to say that because... Uh, People from Africa don't have a God that's actually documented in a book that you can read. That then means that you become the saver and get to supplant your like white Jesus doctrine on an entire continent of folks to justify extracting their land and labor. No, the way to resolve this is by having a moment of accountability and saying, oh, this is why everything is bad. This is why yeah. things keep falling apart. Yeah. This yeah. is why we keep having yeah. to make a bigger lie because you told one lie, and then you keep having to tell more lies, and so right. all of your energy comes into creating these these systems in secret to to um, infiltrate and toxify the the psyche of the, the populace so that you can continue to hoard wealth. Like I mean, what?
0: I think a great example of that is when you talk about the Congo and you talk about, you know, the extraction of uh the tungsten or is it the tungsten um the, the cobalt necessity for in cell phones? Mm-hmm. So literally yeah. the entire world these children. Is
1: off of, yeah, they're making these children dig holes with not even actual tools or gear or mining. Okay, so mining historically is one of the most
2: yeah, dangerous, dangerous. Yeah
1: jobs ever the the labor movement in the united states remember when we used to have now do you notice when's the last time we had to go dig a kid out of a mine right, right. or yeah. or a mine collapsed on a group of workers in west virginia things like that this is why that we don't do that but now yeah. it's happening it's being imposed onto the responsibility of these uh congolese folks children who are digging in mines with literally like spoons y'all yeah. Bare bareback
0: no clothes think, on The thing about it is, is like, why is it created? Why is this system so extractive? Why is the system not in any way, shape or form, not only uh, sustaining the people, but not even providing them the necessary Why is the mechanism decided that we must do this in the most brutal fashion to black people, to African people? It speaks to the true character or moral failing or human evolutionary necessity to gain trait That this is still the system through which we run the world. Every single Mm -hmm. fucking cell phone has spoon scooped cobalt in it. And it's like, it's not necessary. It's literally arbitrarily decided what to maintain, to create. So then you get to start, then you start breaking it down. And obviously, like this, you know, we've both been reading Afro pessimism. And I think it, but I can articulate one of the things about it is like it articulates things about why is the system so brutal. To black people, so unbelievably and, and, and unreal brutal for as long as it's been, and I think when you say that's how we fixed, it's like we've both said, you know, your relationship with black women is your relationship with God. How is your yeah. relationship with God? And and I think the world's relationship with God, the world's relationship with black women, the world's relationship with black people, is truly and utterly perverse, like beyond, it's indicative of how backwards and flawed this world is because it continues, it needs black people. It continues to mine black people and abuses black people. So you have this situation here when you talk about black people's instinctive response to Gaza and to Israel and to Palestine, even without, that, is that shit is triggering.
1: Yeah, it. it's definitely,
0: it's triggering. It. Black We've people, been... so, like, I see Black people, they'd be yeah. like, oh, who cares? They're anti-Black to you, like, you know, like, the arguments you'll see a lot of times are like, you know, queers for Palestine or Black people for Palestine or any group of people for Palestine who would perhaps not do well in is Islamic countries or amongst, or in Palestine or in the surrounding Middle East. It's irrelevant. Like, that's a whole other situation. The pre-existence of anti-Blackness in these pockets does not negate the fact that I still think what's occurring is wrong and I rail against it because my liberation movement is true. Therefore, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things, too, is the next argument about the idea that Zionism is a Jewish liberation movement. I would be wondering very clearly, do Zionists support reparations? Do Zionists agree?
1: No, they don't. That's the question. That is the question. Do Zionists support reparations?
0: No. They don't. They don't, because the fact of the matter is, this is not a liberation movement. This is a subjugation movement, and we really got to talk about the 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 elephant in the room is. There is quite as much as white people have a supremacy doctrine. There is an existing and a very wide contingent that informed but it's well-documented of a Jewish supremacy doctrine. It occurred. I'm not saying people, just like you can't say, all white people are white supremacists or anything like that. Of course not, but it exists. There isn't a cogent
1: black supremacy doctrine because here's one of the things about it. Can I share something? I want to share something because I feel like this is taking us into what are we reading? Yeah. Um, So there was... A secret society developed called the Parashim, which is the Hebrew word for Pharisees and separate, which grew out of Harvard's Menorah Society. The image that emerges of the Parashim is that of a secret underground guerrilla force determined to influence the course of events in a quiet and anonymous way. They were quoted as saying, We must work silently through education and infection. This group was led by. Louis Brandeis, who was a Supreme Court justice um, and enlisted, uh, what is his last name, is Frankfurter, um, as a political lobbyist, right? And so they worked together over a period of 25 years to place a network of disciples in positions of influence and labor diligently for the enactment of their desired programs towards Zionism. They codified language, they created a secret society specifically with the purpose to develop a um, uh, Zionist supremacy, uh, to create Zionism as a world superpower that would overtake Eurocentric ideology, ipso facto, that's what it was for. So like, this isn't something that we are, it's again- conjecture. No conjecture. It's no not conjecture, it's conjecture. Um, and this book is called Against Our Better Judgment, um, uh, the hidden history of how the US was used to create Israel. Um, so, in the "What Are You Reading" um, annex of of the episode and series, "Against Our Better Judgment" is what I am reading. It is filled with annotations and notes of documented development of Zionist um, Zionism as a, a, a strategic, strategic concept. It, it's 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 really deep, and the way that it infiltrated the United States government through the Supreme Court, <clears throat> um, and strategically placing folks. On the Supreme Court who had ulterior motives. So when we look at things that are happening in Congress with the speaker positions and new um democratic, uh conservative democratic positions, folks running to replace Biden as a result of what's happening in Israel right now and his approval rating tanking, like all of these things are absolutely connected. And the the invitation is for folks to really just pay attention beyond the emotional. Um, reaction of just how painful it is to witness the fact that these, you know, powerful entities are really playing powerful games with invisible money and very real human lives. Very Um, real human lives. Mostly children at that, 40% of whom are children. So when you have that question of do they support it? No, because they,
0: there's, you know, even the language of, of God's chosen people is a propagandic tool. I don't necessarily believe that this is in and of Judaism itself as much as it is about the politicization and necessity of, of Zionism for why they deserve it. Why do, why is the necessity, why do we get a theocratic ethnostate? And it is, again, not because of theocratic reasons, it's because of political intrigue. It's literally because. Of the Israeli lobby, it's literally because of economic concerns and the interspersed network of people who support this colonial endeavor, and it, it, it has nothing to do with Jewish people. Like this is the thing about it is like this smokescreen is the tool in the much in the same way that the tools of theocracy use, and it's the handmaiden of conquest. Mm. Invariably, if you want to conquer somebody, you need to have a religious aspect. You must leave them by their God. You must yoke them by their God. So yeah, that's, that's the thing. Things. You have
1: to. What is it? You take their, you take their God, their mm-hmm. sex or reproduction, um, also their ability to populate and create, you know, family or pop, uh, increase their population and um, their food supply. So, or which is the land, essentially, right? So these three steps to colonization. Um are it's like how do you how do you make a slave right? how mm-hmm. do you dehumanize how do you rob someone of their humanity and keep their body alive so that you can work them like a tool um a tool for your capitalist project for your settler colonial project, and I think that the in the establishment of power of what we see in the rise, the raising of, of Palestinian homes in order to erect Israeli settlements um is also this great insult in the um they are dehumanizing to the extent of re- removing the utility of a Palestinian person, a human mother, daughter, like, by by erasing whole family bloodlines, by, you know what I mean, mercilessly murdering elders, women and children, like by having no code of honor or um, violating every single code that was ever invented through the Geneva Convention, which was the same thing that was put in place to prevent it another was. Holocaust because of what happened to Jewish people. So like, if we can't talk about that, you know, I mean, because when you talk about it, like it really starts to, I don't know, for me, it just kind of starts to put some things into perspective. And what happened from October 7th until literally yesterday, well, no, it I think I got back on social either. media. It's not done, but like what has been happening is like everybody, like, blew up about it, where you have people who have been paying attention to this for years, um, people who have been directly impacted by people who are direct descendants of the, orish, uh, the original Nakba, like who are part of the original 750,000 people who were pushed, uh, who were exiled from Palestine. There are millions of Palestinians Palestinians who have already emigrated and been forced out of Palestine who did not die. These are just the people who were remaining, who were still in Gaza and the West Bank, either because they were relegated to that place and not allowed to leave because it's Basically, an open air prison, or the folks who are remaining because they're like, I will not be a good victim for this assault. Like, I will not go. I will not leave and evacuate this place, who are still standing and fighting for a free Palestine. I think that there's just so much that we forget when we get distracted by like this these sound bites, these liberatory sound bites that want us to like. Solve the problem. It's a ceasefire. Okay, so now that's a hashtag. So the hashtag is ceasefire now. No, I think that what you should do is read some books. I think that what you should do is reassess your relationship, reassess your relationship to U.S. and global history and politics to understand where the fix is in. I think what you should do is really reassess your relationship to your God and yourself and consider how you show up in the world. I think that there is work to be done on the self here. So that we can show up in a way that is um uh is is is, is 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 engenders some critical thought other than just firing off you know language via memes or whatever, and not to say that people shouldn't be enacting their their activism on social media, but like are you curating an experience where you are actually learning something or are you regurgitating opinions for the sake of you know feeding your already existing social media addiction. Like I
0: mean, I don't think if you if you do research on this, there's literally no way you could come to the side of of, of what's going on of the imperial. No. I I really think that that's one of the things about it. it's like if you if you eat the sound bites, they can get you. But if you do any reading on your own and and it truthfully what I'm saying is this is aligning to be a, a, a literal ideological war between the colonizer world and the colonized world. Like, yeah. and, and so when you have people reach it across the aisle, they're like, like I'm, Amy Schumer was like, oh, we stood for Black Lives Matter, blah, blah, blah. You will never get black people to be on the side of the colonizer. You just never, ever will. Our connection spiritually in, in our bones, it's, it's to immediately identify with the colonized. The only time you get Black people individually to identify with the colonizer is when they have stricken profoundly with the disease of menticide and have so, and, and been so robbed of their humanity by the unrelenting abuse that society's put upon them that they've developed what amounts to a form of Stockholm syndrome. Except the difference is Stockholm syndrome is rooted in the idea that they were nice. In Stockholm, the bank robbers were nice to the people. So this isn't Mm. even Stockholm syndrome. This is straight up abusive boyfriend syndrome. So when you see black people who who somehow desperately appeal to this institution that hates them vigorously for any sort of refuge, it is abusive spouse syndrome. Mm. Seriously, not even fucking Stockholm syndrome. So I think that the, the entire world is sitting here going to themselves, yo, this is the same shit. But what we're talking about here is like perhaps these like this is the most technologically advanced this is the, the one of this world this 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 army israel the idf is the fourth biggest army in the world it's not the fourth biggest country it mm-hmm. is the most technologically advanced country in the world there if if israel was the 51st state it would be our best state you know what i mean mm-hmm. For, it, by far it would be it would be trouncing california Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, is that conservatism is the maintenance of the colonial city, of the colonial infrastructure. For sure. It really is. That's what conservatism is. So the world collectively has only suffered at its hands. And so I really do see this sort of friction where it's like, when you support the Zionist occupation and reach across to anybody who has experienced even a tangential similarity to what you're doing, that is why the world is, most people don't have a dog in the fight, but like I've seen memes where it's like the world and it's millions of people and then there's like a handful of Jewish people, Israel. Like they know the world is banning around them. Like in terms of, yo, we are not with this. And here's the, the, the crux of it. It's like a ceasefire, right? We're just asking them to stop killing people. And that Just is for like, a minute, and
1: they're oh, you're attacking us. <laughs> yeah, we have the right to defend ourselves. what? <laughs> what? I mean, their 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 prison their their military is called the Israeli Defense like force, like def- like it's in the name, like we're defending ourselves against Arabs, and it's kind of like and but also. You know, again, here's the propaganda machine with the language like we're defending ourselves against Arabs, which is code word for terrorists, and which is, you know, the thing that gets America all like, oh, our rights and nine eleven, and everybody just, it's like this this dog whistle language that that sends off these um, these um, uh, triggers to for us to start to to approach situations from a really reactionary place that isn't isn't real. It isn't real, but if you just take a minute to like, what, what is happening? How am I being in this space? What is the impact that this is having on me? And what do I stand for? Where will I stand? What will I say? How will I be? Like, I think it's just you take as you have the privilege of taking as much time as you need to make to go through that series of self grounding and assessment before you speak.
2: I mean, it's, the privilege it's, of doing that like and, not,
1: and millions of people do not have that privilege, do not have access to that. But if you have access, if you can access that level of stillness to actually not send thoughts and prayers, but to actually think and pray, no thoughts <laughs> and prayers, yeah. think and pray. Like yeah. if you actually do that, yeah. that's when the benefit comes. But just saying that you're going to do that or saying it, using it as some colloquial term is much different than being in thought, in being in study, in being in prayer about what it is that is actually happening on this globe, in this world that you are in and not of. And that requires a certain level of really reclaiming your own humanity, and it will hopefully piss you off. Hopefully it will piss you off to realize just how far away from your own humanity your comfort and the utility of capitalism has allowed you to be. It can be disorienting and some people do not have the will to do that. Another thing that we've been reading, you mentioned this earlier is Afro pessimism. Frank Wilderson is a beast. It's really been doing a whole lot to make me reconsider all of the ways that, um, my humanity, I have been robbed of my humanity just as an individual, as well as a part of the collective of blackness, um, as a, as a structural, Ideology in the psyche of Eurocentric imperial domain. Like and when you see that is, shit, that whole it, it, Palestinian it is it is thing, the what? Okay, what about it? When well, you see think, it, the whole Palestinian. When you see thing, the
0: Palestinian thing as as black people, you you begin to see it in the same way that you see our own experience, and and it gives us this tremendous empathy that it it doesn't. You don't even really need to, like, I think when you see the cultural shift, when you see people speaking up about it and they're compelled to speak about it, there is the learned experience, like the reading, but I think there's something deep in our bones. I think there's like, it's triggering. It's
1: ancestral knowledge. It's It's ancestral ancestral. wisdom. It's in, it's in, it's marrow deep awareness. I know it in my bones because we've been here for centuries.
0: That's what I'm saying. That's what what I mean.
1: Like it is. And you can't propagandize
0: that out. You can't, there's no propaganda that you can give me to make me not see what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? Or to convince me somehow that it's acceptable.
1: And can I tell you something that's also particularly heartbreaking being that aware yeah you know um is the fact that at the same time i can i have the this deep well of capacity for empathy on a cellular and marrow deep level and still find myself in situations with so-called allies where i also know the depth of their anti-blackness just as well as I know the depth of my empathy for the condition of all oppressed people.
0: Well, I, that's why I think that there's, I, that's why I talk about black solidarities. I, I like, you know, when we talk about earlier, you were talking about these these situations where we have these conversations about black liberation and because it's multicultural, immediately the concerns of non-black people get lumped in. That's why I don't even really want to have them in the conversations. You it's know?
1: hard. Yeah. I don't
0: really want, I, I want coalitions of, and, and here's the reality. If you have coalitions of only black people, it's terrifying. Especially, particularly, like we were talking about this, and I believe we talked about this before, like two black people in a room commiserating in a multicultural space is, is, is nuclear, you know, like, like, like there's a, there's a degree of, of when we get together or organize that comes up and is so terrifying. So I think that there's something implicitly about the notion, too, of other people wanting to insert themselves in our black only spaces, like it's their birthright. Like I don't see that. I don't I don't like, of course, there are black people who enter into no, p- PWIs or 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 whatever variety of non-black or not predominantly black situations, but that's out of necessity. Yeah. I think. I think the reality is that there's an implicit desire to infiltrate black only spaces that it, it speaks to the, and I'm not saying that it's a paranoia about what will black people do, but it, it speaks to this weird obsession of like, yo, we can't talk about black liberation with non-black people. We literally yeah. cannot.
1: Because, we cannot. It makes, because, it, it, because it makes, then then the conversation shifts to how my freedom makes you feel. Yeah. So now we're right? talking about yeah. your feelings instead of right. my freedom. It's the, it goes back to, you know, the 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 knee on the neck of George Floyd, right? Yeah. Like it is about the position and the stature and the experience of the officer and not the death of this black man, right? Yeah. It, it it shifts the focus away. So now we're preoccupied with your um the uh, inability to self-manage or regulate your own identity in a space to just have that be a bubble that you exist in, right? Like and to be ju- to be clear, like I don't know, I afro pessimism <laughs> has been all in my spirit lately. this um this idea of having a pessim- being pessimistic about the intellect while holding optimism for the will of humanity. I am pessimistic about the intellect of the intellectual capacity of folks who have been yet to, who are yet to have an internal decolonization or separation from the way that they have internalized these systems and breathed in the air, right? I'm not sure that, I don't think everybody is able or willing to do that level of work. Um, I am still doing it, but my will is strong. And so I am optimistic about a future where I have this will to continue to unpack and do that work. One of the particular reasons that it is so difficult is because when I look at my own life and relationships, I can see it's like these like flashes of scenarios from my whole entire life where the experience of being somebody's black girl. Um, being the only black person in a room, being and then the attention shifting when when I do find that there is another black person in the room, the way that two of us gets quickly infiltrated. There's always a third. There's always a a non-black person even that just needs two, to is what I'm even, just, even just even two. just two. There's always a non-black person that needs to come in to kind of like assess what's going on or to be a part of. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> what are you guys doing? Or you know like um i was in course one time in in class uh, it was like a, a a graduate level education course um on special ed and there was this teacher in training a young white woman who was in the class and i'm the only maybe there were two black women in the classroom but i was the only one there that day and she was like oh my god we were talking about student behavior and tracking through education and whatever and she was like oh my god i'm so glad we're talking about this because Like, I just noticed that the Black girls at my school, like, I can't get them to shut up. Like, I can't get them to stop talking. Every time they're together, they're just constantly talking. And I'm like, yeah, because they're girls in elementary school. Like, but you, but it's just these Black girls that you need to control their, their dialogue and conversation. I'm like, it could be because there really aren't a lot of places where they get to be social with other Black girls living in New Mexico. They so, needed to breathe. They, they needed need to breathe. They it need is nourishment. To, they need it to be able to speak to each other. So why don't you create yeah. spaces where they can engage one another in conversation and get their work done? But instead, you're preoccupied by wanting to police them and make them be quiet so that they focus their attention on what you're saying. And as a teacher, it's your responsibility to to respond in such a way that allows students to be developed and cultivate their experience inside the classroom. Like I don't we, us in the same class don't have the same issues. I'm standing in front of a classroom and I see that the table full of black girls is talking. I'm going to create a way for them to be able to talk and get their work done because communication is essential to them for their social engagement, for them to be able to do that. But, and and that's just one of the ways, which it's like, it's like Russian dolls of, of all of the ways that like whiteness just continues to, to seek to infiltrate and distract. And it reminds me of the Toni Morrison quote where, you know, she says that racism is a distraction. They tell you that your head is small. So you spend all your time trying to prove that your head is the right size instead of just going on about your work and not being distracted. So I don't know. I think that part of this is this deep well of empathy that I have, the the solidarity that I have for the the desire that I have for the liberation of Palestinian people and for the liberation of all oppressed people and being like of course that is my stance of course that is how I feel like if I but I also want to st- state that I do not believe that Zionists are oppressed no Current, that no. is not what is currently happening no this is their response. To 4,000 years ago of oppression, yes, but the response, like you said at the top of the show, if the response is to genocide and subjugate and another yeah. people in order to m- maintain your new homeland or your reclaimed homeland, then that it is, in working. fact, not liberation and it is not working. So, no. Um, when we talk about liberation for Black people, when we talk about reparations or repairing the harm and and compensating for the extraction of incalculable loss of life over five hundred plus years of subjugation by the United States on a gl- in a global container of imperialism, that is in fact, <laughs> yeah, that has nothing to do that has nothing to do with anti semitism, um, whatsoever. Um, it has everything to do with liberation and healing and repairing us to a whole state as a whole state of being in our humanity. And let me That's just say, this was this
0: kind of thing happened. Like let's say four or five thousand years from now, for there was a essentially an inverse system of this exact same thing—a black supremacy of sorts, where black people were going throughout the world in, engaging in this. I would not, that's not, I'm not advocating for that. That's not at all what I want. So if I were to see this kind of scenario, even inversely, if for some, because like, I think there's sometimes there's conversations like say the decolonization efforts in Zimbabwe or South Africa where they're actively expulsing, like, you know, there's expulsions. Being a white South African farmer is a dangerous job. You know, there's a lot of quote unquote anti-white Seminate. This is the decolonization process manifested. And it is also reciprocal where it's like, no, you can't coddle your colonizer. There mm-hmm. is the necessity of violence in their ejection and their expulsion. And, but the reality is that decolonization and the expulsion of occupying forces is the complete opposite of being the occupier. Yeah. And this is what we're talking about here. Is like I don't want to. We don't need to occupy anything. We don't need to murder anything. If we must expel or like you know expel. Forces that are infiltrating us, that is defense. If that was the situation, perhaps I would have some empathy. So you see this whole scenario, and I and I keep thinking to myself a lot of times where it's like, what if these were black faces? It would not be acceptable to me either. Like when I talk about black liberation, I mean it's they, the they are black faces.
1: They are black faces in the Congo like in the democratic no no no, 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 no. I'm saying the oppressors, oh, the, the oppressors the repre- oh I was oh, like the, the oppressors these?
0: were black faces oh. no 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 well no. like I said cuz that's I'm saying if this was literally so when we talk about black liberation black liberation is also the deconstruction of these systems of oppression that harm everybody so when you say this sentiment about that black liberation literally liberating everybody it's because there would no longer be these hierarchies there would no longer be the existence of the necessity of maintaining a black permanent underclass, which is something that I think the world necessitates economically, socially, spiritually, and just by literally upending that would be the deconstruction and dismantling of the same capitalist mechanism, of the same patriarchal mechanism, because that that doesn't exist without the complete exploitation of black people. This entire, this interlocking system is premised on the extraction of black people and everyone else is catching strays. Racism is about black people. Everyone else is catching strays. It's a top-down infrastructure. So if you want to dismantle racism, if you want to dismantle, because then even when you talk about sexism or you talk about homophobia or you talk about all these different things, they're all rooted in the same mechanisms in the maintenance of patriarchy and in the maintenance of whiteness and in the maintenance of a certain particular beneficiary. Yeah, for everyone and everything's resources. So you see this Israel shit, and you don't care about the, the the supposed theocratic elements or the mythology or any. All you see is is the same saga. And I'm telling you, when they talk about apocalypses of sorts, I, you know, my understanding of the word apocalypse, is, its actually means is a great change. You know, it's this is apocalyptic because it's it's really like this concentration of all of these things into this global crisis that is older than time. This is the same shit from the Crusades. So it's literally like, yo, this shit got to come to an end, bro. It's the same. The Crusades is the same shit.
1: It's I mean you know, apocalypse is not so much a great change. It's really it is a change that marks or indicates the end of the world. So I don't want to like entirely decontextualize the concept of apocalyptic as maybe far it's Armageddon.
0: Maybe it's the word Armageddon.
1: Okay. Meaning I was of like, the word Ooh. Armageddon.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> apocalypse is yeah, I think you're right. I think it's the word Armageddon. But I'm just saying apocalyptic in the sense that it's like people assume the destruction of the white supremacist capitalist patriarchal world is the end of the world as we know it.
1: And it and that's might flatly be untrue. Like as well, we know it, but I'm saying like it, not that, like eradication, like not, a, well, human annihilation. One could one that. could say that it is not it's not irrational based if you have been in a world where you're in order to achieve or attain all the power that you have, you have done so by annihilation of everyone who does not look like you. Someone yeah. some members of any one of those sectors of of humans suggests that the same thing should happen then of course you feel your own livelihood being at threat but the 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 i feel like if there were danger for that if if i will say this for black people if black people possess the um the inhumanity on a cellular level, instead of the deep cellular bone marrow, deep awareness of empathy that we experience based off who we are as human beings. If that were, if, if we were in the position of quote unquote the oppressors, like, I I don't see that. uh, I don't see that as a possibility. Like the, the work of oppression is complete when the oppressed seek to be the oppressor. When you want to be the master, that's, you're keeping the system alive. So I don't want to be anybody's master. In in a world where I see equity, there are no masters, right? So I think the humanity of the thing that is so crushing is that our capacity for love and our humanity is actually the thing that is saving the lives of, or saving the well-being and wholeness of the oppressors. Right, like, or the the, and I I think when you look at like indigenous folks in 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 small smallpox blankets or teaching the the um, Puritans how to farm and how to grow crops and, and supporting them, um, when you think of like wet nurses, and, uh, black black enslaved women who are who are wet nurses and cooks who fed and like, it's not because of the gene. So you can only give so much credence or 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 credit to the 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 psychic psychological mindfuck that was enslavement and how to maintain a system and to break the spirit of the slave in order to make them function mm-hmm. in a certain way i think that we forget to give credit to the humanity of the people who were actually in those roles who were making choices in order to protect their own families their own lives their own livelihoods so that they could actually survive and sustain and withstand what they were being put through so as, again the ego of whiteness Really gets off on feeling that it was all their power that was able to extract that labor in all reality it's really like the 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 unkillability of the will of the humans that have always been humans like it, the lie is the dehumanization the lie right. is telling us that we are not human we are the distraction is us arguing that we are in for our humanity inhumane people right yeah. and the proof is the fact that the inhumane people are still fucking alive to tell a story. And so are yeah. we.
0: Yeah, yeah, we hear what just to our- devote our entire lives to just, you know, to waging war. But I think, you know, when when you talk about that whole thing, um, oh, I was just thinking of something. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had a point too, and I
1: had something to say. Uh, That's okay, I think we've made some really big points Yeah. In today's episode, when we talk about like, hey, I'm just grateful to have a space to be able to like unpack and be like, you don't have to agree, you don't have to listen, you are at will, just like George Michael is to be in the back, yeah, growling because he's like, cut it off. You know what I mean? Like, Uh, you you absolutely are at at choice. I my my hope for the listeners is that you are taking care of yourself in such a way that allows you to have the clarity that you need to make choices about how you show up in the world, because it matters. How you show up in the world, in your relationships, how you look at your friend group and peer group, how you are with your family, those things matter more than what you post on social media. They matter more whether you are not alone in being completely like overwhelmed or enraged um, or afraid or any of the feelings that you're feeling about any of the stuff that is happening are fine. I don't think that that gives anyone, Um, well, I'm not even going to say that, like do what you will with that, like, but just get to a place of like understanding and accepting the fact that Your humanity is making you feel some kind of way because what you are watching is some inhumane shit. I remember, too, what I was going to say, too, is that
0: in that process, too, I think when you talk about one of the dark elements, I think, of colonization and when you said that oppressed become the oppressor is you you see certain movements, particularly in Black America, like I I think you see an emerging xenophobia, you see an emerging um, conservatism you see an emerging. And sometimes I think that the worst possible byproduct of maintaining Black people in this, like you said, this this fishbowl of extraction, you know, is Mm -hmm. the slow adaptation to letting those values indoctrinate yourself. Like the worst possible thing I can imagine is a Black person who has fully internalized and indoctrinated these foreign ideals of individualism, these foreign ideals of capitalism, these foreign ideals of oppression, these foreign ideals of patriarchy, these foreign ideals fundamentally of white supremacy and internalize them. And sometimes you see that emerging, which I, I think is relatively like there's always been black conservatives. There's always been, and, and like, you know, you might even use the term, quote unquote, Uncle Tom or something. But I, I'm i not even talking about that. I'm talking about even pro black people who approach it through those lenses, who approach pro-Blackness through a capitalist lens, who approach pro-Blackness through a patriarchal lens, who approach pro-Blackness ultimately through a supremacist doctrine lens. And I think that's a perversion you see a lot of times. And that, to me, is actually the worst case scenario, because what you have is people, despite themselves, actually maintaining and reinforcing these systems. And if you insert Black people into these systems, as it, it is not a solution. Like it fundamentally, I see that a lot. Like, and I think, particularly in the internet age, you see a lot of talking heads who are clout chasing and who say things for the clips that are fundamentally like inflaming certain conservative ideals that have been in, inculcated inside of Black people from receiving abuse for thousands of years, you know, and and starting to fashion and use the mas- master's tools.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and I, I, and I, and I, I, I would scary say. Shit. I would say, first of all, I ain't talking to them either. Yeah, I'm not talking to you. Like, yeah. I'm also not going to be distra- like, and I, th- I think I may have said this on like a phone call that we had, but like, I'm not going to fight you for your healing. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. not, I, I'm not going to, I, because I need to, I need to be adamant in how I cultivate my own wellness because I understand the attack that and, and the, the threat that I face in all of these systems. And so if you have been, if you are, I it's kind of like, if you are a zombie, if you are a walk-in now, because you like, do I have some anecdotal um experience that might be perceived as medicine? Sure. I'm not, I didn't watch the walking dead, but like, you know, I get what you're saying. I, right? yeah, if can't can become a zombie. Yeah, I, I if you can't. Be you me become a zombie. Like I, I can't. I don't know. I, it's like it feels yeah. like you know. Until I, we find I, the I cure for zombie, dome,
0: we can't fuck with you. Until we, you find the but cure for zombie,
1: dome. Yeah, I can't let you get close enough to bite me. Like no, I'm not doing then?
0: that. I have a question then. Okay, so I, I don't know where you want to go next, but I wanted to ask in the lens of, um sorry, I got to respond to this. In the lens of the three tenets, right? Um, how do you envision a solution? If how is How do you appri- apply <laughs> healing is possible? How is healing possible in what's going on in Gaza? Mm. In I have my own thoughts um, which, again... I'm, I want to say, but, you know, I, I'm i asking you, first, healing is possible. But, you know, the other two, too, love is yeah. the answer.
1: I think that first of all, what we do is, I don't know that I can answer that question. I think that Palestinians have the answer to that question. And so I'm going to share what, what Pal- I think, giving Palestinians what they say they want is the first step, right? Um, what Palestinians are demanding is to stop the genocide, to lift the siege on Gaza, to end the military occupation, full social, political, and economic rights and freedoms, implementation of the refugee right to return, end imprisonment and carceral torture, end to desecration of sacred sites, end all USA to the Israeli regime, boycott, divestment, and sanction, stop censorship and criminalization. Now that is, let's start there. Let's start there. That's what, that's what you do. And that came from, um, all out for Palestine, which is a Palestinian, uh Palestine digital action toolkit that came from the Palestinian feminist collective. So I believe that it's to listen to Palestinian people and, and follow, follow them. They know what they need. I don't have the solution. So again, you know what I mean? Like, Their medicine ain't my medicine, but that's what they said they want. And so that's what I feel like they should receive. And that's That's where we start. That's how healing
0: would be possible. That's
1: how healing works because it's accountability. It's acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that's often the first way. Like we we can't, like you, you can't fix a problem that you won't acknowledge exists. You know what I mean? So these are the, the, the fact that they're calling for these things to end means that they are actively present right now. That is what is happening. So we can't talk about nothing else until these things take place. And if you won't even acknowledge that that we exist, acknowledge our humanity to make that claim, then we're at an impasse. So I feel like we defer to the wisdom of the women because they be knowing. So, I, I, you know what I mean? We it's, be knowing. You know,
2: yeah. We nah, be knowing. Nah, we have the answers to it. These I, are, I, these I are their children, that. their
1: babies. So I, I think that that is what, I want for Palestine what Palestinians want for Palestine and for themselves. I want that for them deeply and wholeheartedly, without inserting my own agenda on top of their needs um, or desires as a people and as humans. I don't want to be the the ally who is, you know, infiltrating their Just movement in my politics. I don't. I can't tell them yeah. what they need. I can right. say that they should be given exactly what they ask for. Um, immediately, and I and when I stand in solidarity, I stand in solidarity with those claims. So I don't know. I, I'd ask a Palestinian person. Um, well,
0: you know, when I took to that point I made earlier, and I was just connecting the dots. Is like ultimately, if you have this situation, like we're talking about, you suffer this tremendous tragedy, and you transition from the oppressed to the oppressor, that's the completion of the oppression. And I think that the worst case scenario is like having what happened to Black people. Have them turn into some sort of deranged black Zionist military sort of thing. So I think inversely, like I I, I have a difficult time processing or accepting the idea, and this may sound somewhat incendiary. Uh, is Israel is a failed state? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'm not just telling you, I'm not saying the solution. I'm telling you it's a failed state in the premise of this is an unending war. Short of the world lets them conduct a complete extermination, which is untenable. This is an unending war. I think a great standard of whether or not you are a failed state is if you are plunged into permanent war because of your mere existence.
1: Yeah, now, they're trying to end the understand? war, but they're being, they have like a, a bottom, a, a blank check, though. Like, that's the thing. But they that's have what I mean, check. though. It's like,
0: okay, when you talk about the Holocaust and you talk about the idea of people trying to engage in complete eradication, exterminations of people, I don't necessarily know if that works, too. I mean, I'm not a historian, but I don't necessarily know of any ethnic group that is completely expunged off the earth by an empire in the modern era, with the world of mass media, with the world of where that acceptable no, not, it's it's not acceptable. So yeah. the reality is when we talk about healing is possible, is we really have to have the conversation about how this is fundamentally an unsolvable, untenable, failed experiment. It is a failed experiment in Zionism. And at what point do we, like, like, one of the things is I could envision a world where the world ceases to support Israel and Israel going to war with the world. I could instantly, I could very much see if the world ceased to support, if if they ceased to have the support of Israel, or see, if Israel ceased to have the support of the United States, Israel would wage war against the United States.
1: Duh. I mean I don't necessary. mean to like be reductive but yeah that's exactly yeah. why right. yeah. that's exactly why no, I Uncle Joe is standing up there like we have to talk you know I got why he's hug, hugging Benjamin Netanyahu um jumping off right. his plane giving hugs and stuff and having conversations and sending his thoughts and prayers because yeah so it's not totally propped up by the United States in the respect to
0: where it's like I do see even the global turn if that manifests in political pressure that the United States at the very least initially has to lower support. And then eventually has to say, yo, y'all got to stop. And then they're like, no, we're not going to stop. And then it's like, yo, we got to stop you. And then it's like, okay, come do it. I -hmm. definitely can see this. So the reality situation is like the entire world has to acknowledge that this is not working. This is a failed reparations package. Unless your solution is ultimately like a book of France Fanon's, the end of the world. Because I do, con- I can see an annihilation of the universe through war. I can see an annihilation of the planet through nuclear. Hot- I can see an annihilation, and not even then. It's just large swaths of people, hundreds of millions, if not billions of people being murdered in these crazy wars, because ultimately, at the end of the day, is it's like, colonialism is, is this is it. This is like the war. This is like, to me, I cannot envision end game. I just don't, I, that's that's what I wanted to say. It's like,
1: yeah it's I, that's really how terrifying. it could happen, but it is really terrifying. I mean the reality that it that it very well may get worse before anything changes, and I won't even say get better because how bad can it be, but as we watch the numbers increase and um you know hear folks kind of scramble their way to november um i don't I don't know. And I think I, I need to be okay with saying I don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't know either. I, we, we propose solutions, which I respect. I think you had a great solution. And I didn't even propose a solution. I'm just saying I think the core problem here is Zionism is a failed political experiment that will only lead to a global crisis. And we are on the precipice of a global crisis. Like, here's the reality. If you talk about other wars, like, do I believe the Ukraine war as the precipice of a global crisis? Not as much. No. Do I believe the Tigray crisis is on the war? No, I don't. But I do believe this war, this circumstance is the precipice of a global crisis. And I just, I, I mean, I think part of it is the inflamed emotional response it gets from the people because it is really the manifestation of the colonized world for all of us to see and it's and it's egregious it's it's like the most egregious modern form of colonialism because even like like i said unfortunately african colonialism is is mundane we are used to it that's why people are like why don't we care as much about it? because it's not shocking
1: it never it never stopped. Here's the thing. It like history stopped. history is this is this is all a continuum. There was never an yeah. actual end to slavery. There was a modification of its right. of its terms. Like there right. was not an end to genocide. There was a modification of the way that it was being enacted. Um like that that's there there is there's no end to it. You know what I mean? Like it is a continuation in this arc toward what end right if we get to a place where we feel like that the end is armageddon or you know total annihilation like then you have some people who are like so we we will have joy we will dance until yeah, the end they're with that they're with that they're, they're with like, that you know um i also feel i don't know i i don't know i feel a lot of i don't know if that's something that will happen in our lifetime um i think that the stakes are are really high
0: um i think also that's end stage for theocracy i think theocracy all theocracies end stage is apocalyptic
1: well i mean like we're not we're not supposed to be a theocracy the united states is not supposed to be a theocracy it definitely is but in god we trust is and i mean like it
0: definitely is yeah this is a christian theocracy the muslims uh, the uh, middle east and in many parts of asia are full-on Islamic theocracies.
1: Yeah, the whole reason that we're having this conversation about Zionism is a theocratic, theocratic rule. Theocratic, yeah. Right. So like I, I again. But I'm just saying they're the back-
0: ones good with Armageddon. They're the ones but, good with Armageddon.
1: Yes, but the 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 conflict is in like uh, theocracy as a justification as opposed to an actual belief in God. Right, and it doesn't account for the folks who are like they're Zionists who are atheists. The father of Zionism was an atheist. So, like, yeah. what are we even? What? Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I
0: I've always said, and I 100 like believe
1: conflation. Theocrats,
0: between. theocrats don't believe. Theocrats don't believe.
1: Theocrats
0: uh, use it as a tool. So the I don't believe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I don't. And and the reason is because it's arbitrary. Right today, God said all the carpets need to be maroon. Mm -hmm. Like that's, I don't believe any theocrat believes in the shit they're selling at all. I don't, I don't believe the Pope is a Catholic. I don't believe the imams are just, I don't, I don't, I think, I, I don't, I don't believe most rabbis are practicing. I don't believe it because the reality is, it's a capitalist endeavor. It's an economic endeavor and it's the handmaiden of conquest. So invariably you set up these crazy theocratic rules so that you can extract resources, Yeah. period. Don't tell me shit else. And are there true believers? Yes. They're not theocrats. They don't got the juice. I don't believe there are. Just in my opinion, I don't have evidence to support this, but I don't believe anybody engaging in theocratic rule believes in the theology that theocracy is built on.
1: (sighs) Okay. Well, friends.
0: (laughs) yeah, I'm getting hungry, and my shit about to die.
2: Uh
1: yeah, I feel like we have we have traversed this road around the conversation about reparations, our thoughts and our prayers to a toward a free um, and fully restored Palestine. Because um, that's where
0: we stand. Because that's where we stand. I mean, that's where we are. That's where we are.
1: Like that's that's what it is. Over yep. here. Um, mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. that's what I have to offer. Again, um, I still feel like the solution, the thing that saves the world is to um, to atone or to account for the rapacious kleptocracy that is the United States as it relates to its relationship with Black people. The rapacious people. kleptocracy. Yes. Yeah. Um, Real shit. And I, I do really believe in... Um, in a, in a world where there is an account, there is an accounting for, um, and a restoration of, um, because I can't, I can't be in solidarity with Palestine if I'm not in, in solidarity with, with black folks as well. And with, uh, with indigenous people for, for land back and like, and do, and I don't have the answers, but I, I hold the, the optimism of my will because I know that I am a human being. I know that you are a human being. I know that we all are and therefore deserve. It's our birthright to be able to exist and experience this world in a way that is, um, you know, unfettered, unmolested. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not going to even say we could, save, we could save stuff for next time. But, yes, I stand yeah. in solidarity. I stand in solidarity. And that's where I'm <laughs> at with it. I appreciate
1: the part of you that had something a little more dark (laughs) to add to that ending. I felt it. I felt the darkness. I felt the darkness (laughs) creeping in. I'm going to
0: get my shit off, but not this time. Don't trip. It's, It's not it's not going away. I'm, you know what I mean. I'm gonna get my shit off. I'm gonna say what I gotta say. The clip's still here. The bullets did not disappear. They did not disintegrate. I'm just not gonna shoot them right now. You know what I'm saying? i You know how I feel, bro. We reading this book. Shout out Afro pessimism. Shout out Mr. Frank Wilderson. You know what I'm yeah. saying? that That's 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 what it is right now. That's yeah. what we are right now.
1: <laughs> I, I know we're we're we are reading Afro pe- pessimism, but I there is the you have you cannot have Afro pessimism without the will. The op, the 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 optimism of will. So there is pessimism of the intellect against the optimism of will. So I'm holding the optimism of will as a thing that is going to get us through to the other side of this. Um,
0: I am too. I believe in it wholeheartedly. I believe in it wholeheartedly
1: unresolvable problem. Right. Um a quagmire, if you will. But yeah. much love to you. Thank you for listening. Yeah. This was a fun episode, even though we dealt in some really difficult stuff. I hope y'all um we're gonna drink some water, eat some food, go outside, um, stand in some grass or something like that, touch a tree, yeah. hug touch, it if you need to. Like it really helps you ground, take off your shoes, go stand in some dirt, um, get you your life together. Um, But earth, air, fire, water to ground after this conversation. Thank you for listening. Um, like, comment, and share the program, the podcast. Subscribe wherever you are listening. We're new here. This is episode two that we've published. Um, two that we put out. We got a few
0: we ain't even shared. They're so incendiary that the
1: <laughs> world would not stand their heat. Yikes! So we we just be out here talking about our vision for what the world yeah. will look like. Um, Mm-mm. you know, when when all Black people, all oppressed people, are free. So. But black people. But black people. You know what I mean? That's that's (laughs) the lane. All All right, right. y'all. Peace and blessings. Peace.